Welcome to This Week in IT. Your hosts are Lang Maith and Andre Forte. This program will discuss the business of information technology, business development, current events, new products, and more. Now, here are your hosts of This Week in IT, Lang Maith and Andre Forte. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, You are now tuned into this week's episode of This Week in IT. I am your host, Lang Maith, and with me is my co-host, Mr. Andre Forte. How are you? Sorry. How are you doing today, Lang? I'm uh, looking forward to doing the show with you. How are you doing today, my man? I'm doing good. How are you? Can't complain. Can't complain. Looking forward to doing the show, man. I think that uh, this, uh, um, this season we're going to have a lot of valued information to uh, share with the people and um you know, uh, just from our personal experiences and the guests that we'll have, I think uh, I think I'm looking forward to it, man. Looking real forward to it. Kind of excited. Yeah, today we should have a really really good show. I know our guest he's running a little bit late, but let me give you a little heads up for everyone who's listening. Um, we have joining today, Mr. Chris Harrison. Uh, Mr. Chris Harrison is an assistant professor of human computer interaction at the esteemed Carnegie Mellon University, located in good old Pittsburgh, PA. Um, he's taking time out of his busy schedule to come share with us today a new invention they've been working on called the Lumi Watch. Um, so without further ado, um, once he gets here online, we'll actually go into greater detail to further discuss it. And for right now, we'll just probably, in his absence, we'll just go over some of the latest news, um, you know, surrounding the world of IT. First thing um, probably out right now is Apple. Um, Apple is getting a lot of attention as of late uh, since Warren Buffett put his stamp on it, saying that shares are at all time um, best right now to actually get on board with Apple. And as a result, the um, actual share prices and stock prices have actually soared. Um, right now, they're looking at being a trillion company, trillion dollar company. Outside of that, probably the biggest news that I think is affecting everyone that everyone's been complaining about is good old Facebook. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, right now, Mark Zuckerberg has apologized um, based on that Cambridge Analytica scandal. Um, It seems like right now some more security measures are going to go in place to kind of offset, you know, any potential pertinent and private information actually being released. I'm actually surprised by this because normally I know just with government agencies and outfits, you can't release PII information. So how they were able to just release that type of information, that personal and sensitive information and not receive any type of backlash or fine is a little bit beyond me. Um, What's your take on it? Yeah, um, I had a chance to uh, actually look at the hearing. Uh, did you see the hearing uh, Not yesterday, I'm sorry, last week with, uh, um, with, the, with the government. And um, yeah, it was just mind boggling to me. It's just uh, um, everything that they were, uh, he was just trying to kind of hang things off on, uh, on you know, uh, it's said uh, they, they, Set culpability, which was uh, which was impressive. I was kind of actually looking for him to kind of, I don't want to say weasel, but kind of, uh, you know, kind of talk about it in a roundabout way where, um, you know, not really accept full responsibility for everything. Kind of put it like on the party, so to speak. But 
Yeah, he has the culpability for it. And uh, I don't know if you noticed or not, but recently they've uh, started releasing these uh, these promo commercials talking about enhancing their security. Have, have you seen? I've seen those. Um, those are pretty. I can't put much weight on it, though. Uh, pretty much, you know, every time there's a security breach or security leak or some type of intrusion, you know, they always come up with these pop up ads a day or two afterwards, what I call damage control. Um, telling you to telling you to check your settings, readjust your security settings, and then you put your faith in doing so, and then probably a month or two later, there's another incident. So, <laughs> right, you don't know whether it's really them in house or whether or not this is a portion of the infrastructure that's been outsourced to a third party, because that could be very sure. well the case as well. You know, sort of like the OPM incident where everyone's security clearance information um, was pretty much stolen and released as well. So, don't know. <laughs> you know it's, a real, it's, a, it's a real touchy situation because we don't know the actual workflow of their infrastructure to actually say for sure it's them or someone that they've actually subcontracted the work to. You know, so that was kind of up in the air. The one thing that I thought was kind of funny this week in the news was um, pretty much the proposed merger between Sprint and what was it, T-Mobile. You know, yeah, I didn't get a chance to really get into that whole lot, but I did see that come across newsfeed. Yeah, it's, it's it's right now. It's in the rumblings. Um, it hasn't been officially done yet, but I'm just thinking, who's really going to be left in the game um, from a tech, cellular technology standpoint if this merger goes through? Because who's really there to compete with Verizon? You know. Right. They're, uh, it's almost like cornering the market, you know, monopolizing the market, so to speak. Uh, mm-hmm. That's going uh, to be something very, uh, uh, you know, for us to keep our eyes on, um, you know, like usually not good for the consumer. So, uh, yeah, to be continued as well. Yeah, because then it becomes <laughs> then it becomes like it used to be, where it becomes you know, it's not so much about quality; it's more about price. Because I noticed that already, Verizon is trying to you know, brace the, the possibility of losing subscribers because what they've done is now they've gone back to actually rolling out unlimited data plans. You know, they actually stripped that away a couple of years ago, saying that we're going to start you know, giving you monthly plans and quotas. You know, two gig. 8 gig, 14, 24 gigs, things of that nature. Now they roll into unlimited. Only problem is that what I've experienced, once they started doing that, the, the quality of their service has actually dropped a little bit because I'm experiencing more drop calls and you can't stream like you really want to. It's a lot of buffering. And that's something yeah, I understand exactly what you I understand exactly what you mean. I've been experiencing similar, uh, those same similar um, things as well um, with all my devices. And yeah, quality goes down. But of course, what's not going to go down is the cost. And that's <laughs> um, the part. That's gonna... <laughs> <laughs> cost is not going to go down. No. And if anything, I think it might go up because you're going to have a lot of people, quote unquote, jumping ship. Going over to whatever proposed uh, company is going to come out of this Sprint T-Mobile merger, and that's where the problems sure. are lie. I, I think they're in trouble. <laughs> to be honest with you, because even yeah. on, the, on the home side, on the residential side of the house, 
they have Fios, which is good. But the only problem with that is they're actually, at least in my opinion, just talking to people, they're actually losing a lot of customers to, what is that, DirecTV. Because DirecTV is the only yep. one right now offering the 4K um, exactly. receivers. So even if exactly. you're going by the latest and greatest television, whether it's a Samsung, LG, or Sony, you know, you really can't experience in the true picture quality unless you have the actual receiver to actually push the, you know, the actual images and everything through there. And right now, Verizon is still capped. You know, just the digital receiver. I think they only give you like what a 1080 at best. See what else is in news? Oh, more presidential scandal stuff. (laughs) Google is talking about always. Yeah, that's always a common thread. Um, (laughs) Google is rolling out now stricter rules for U.S. political ads. And this one right here to me is kind of tricky because I don't understand. I really don't understand how they're going to actually, you know, screen the ads that come through. I mean, yeah, you can sit there and dictate as to what you publish, but it's kind of hard to verify where the actual ad, basically the originator of the ad came from, you know. Sure. Mm -hmm. So if you're you're concerned about foreign and internationals um, posting ads, they can easily use a U.S. face, (laughs) you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, is that really a a vetting process or a screening process that we can really trust? You know, my opinion, no. Yeah. And, uh, you know, be, <laughs> being that, uh, you know, both of us, we have uh, backgrounds in the uh, security, cybersecurity and, uh, and and all that type of stuff as well. Um, you already know uh, I'm very lack of uh, of, of much of things, so um, you know, especially when it comes to you know, whether it's ads or third party, third party, it's yeah, so yeah, that's what's so funny about it because see, there's normally you know a strong suit on the security and infrastructure side, but this component. Is really through the finance department. It's like if you have the money for the presidential campaign ads or what have you, they're not worried about IT infrastructure. They're just looking for money to go into the war chest sure. for campaigns. So sure. that's that's where you need to apply some type of security or vetting process if this is what you're looking to, you know, eliminate or, or kind of, you know, weed out, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It should be real interesting. Ah, before we go to um, commercial, I know we have one other little topic. I know the Google car. Um, there was another. There's another crash <laughs> with the actual unmanned vehicle. You know, that's something I think needs to go to the drone board. But let's get ready to go to break. This is great stuff. Um, the number to dial is 866-472-5789. Again, that number is 866-472-5789. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you looking to build, enhance, or revamp your current IT infrastructure? If so, that's where MallLobby.com comes in. Whether you need virtualization, 
systems administration, networking, storage, cybersecurity, cloud, disaster recovery, to even manage services, just submit your project details via email to broadcast at mallobby.com so we know this opportunity is from one of our listeners. For your IT consulting, staffing, and architectural needs, rely on mallobby.com. Incorporated. Visit online at mallobby.com. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America Business Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to This Week in IT. To reach the program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather leave a question or comment via email, send it to broadcast at mallobby.com. Now back to This Week in IT. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you're just tuning in, we're waiting to speak with Mr. Chris Harrison from Carnegie Mellon University as he discusses his new product, the Lumi Watch. Um, Chris is running late, so we're actually going to continue with uh, top stories in the world of IT. I know one of the biggest stories that's been coming out is, again, with social media. Um, Twitter is actually urging 330 million users to change their passwords after a computer glitch. So, you know, that's basically almost the precursor for another news release saying that their information has been um, compromised. So we're seeing this report just came out yesterday. Um, You can almost guarantee that sometime next week or in the immediate future, there's going to be some type of quote unquote glitch that's going to lead to some type of internal investigation um, that's going to pretty much unveil or reveal that Someone's password's been compromised, and from that, a back door was opened, and somehow or another, some hacker was able to siphon, you know, all these user account IDs, passwords, whatever, um, personal information, uh, which probably be sold, as always, on the um, dark web. So that's the issue of concern. So if you actually have a Twitter account or any social media account, best practice, treat it like you would if you're in an office building or at home, you know, with Windows, you know, depending on the group policies at your job, they normally trying to institute a 30 to 45 day uh, period where you need to reset and change your password. That'd probably be a good practice to start, you know, implementing in your personal life as well. 
uh, for situations just like this. Uh, if you keep changing your password, it makes it a little bit harder. You know, it won't make it foolproof. You know, it's just a matter of time before you can crack it. But at least you'll you'll have a greater chance of actually keeping your account information safe and you know confidential. So at least make it good practice. You know, change your password at least every 30 days and try and make it as complex as possible too. You know, a lot of times people are using the dog's name, the wife's name, their husband's birthday. <laughs> and <laughs> this, is, this is stuff that people can easily, if they get to know you, they can just, you know, through conversation, get that information that unlocks all of your personal information. And you just try and use some form of complexity. Um, you know, again, just like you would at your job or, or at your military base, where it's at least 16 characters. You know, and in those characters, don't just use numbers or letters. Use uppercase, lowercase, special characters, and try and make it as difficult as possible. Um, it at least makes the hackers frustrated. <laughs> you know, don't make it easy. Yeah. Make it difficult. <laughs> Move on to the next one. Um, yeah, so any anything that you could do in there to further safeguard your information, like you were saying, laying special characters, uh, numbers, something totally unrelated to you, uh, you know, like folks name it. Um, yeah, and skip over you once they realize it's a little bit, move on to the next. So. Yeah, and um, it's a couple of telltale signs, just real quick. I mean, I know we weren't going to dedicate today's show to just talking about, um, security breaches and incident reports and possibly being hacked. But just as a little heads up for our listening audience, there's seven clear telltale signs. Um, you know, if you're, you've been hacked or someone has actually intruded into your actual personal space. Um, the first one is normally your gadget will suddenly start running slowly, um, which is weird because, you know, you expect your smartphone to be exactly that, a smartphone. So you expect it to have enough processor speed to handle the applications <laughs> and not endure any type of latency. You know, it's not like you're running the full app. You're actually running a skeletal lightweight version of the app on your smartphone. So it's not too heavy and it shouldn't, you know, become burdensome on the processor to the point where you're trying to open a browser and it's just taking forever. You know, that's like a telltale sign. Something's wrong right there. Um, Very much so. so. I would suggest just, just to piggyback off of what you said as well, Lang. Um, also, uh, if you're starting to receive a lot of pop-ups, um, mm-hmm. you know, yep. uh, at, at times, you know, not being able to, uh, or when you go to open your browser and you're receiving various pop-ups, random, random pop-ups, or you know, ads that you're totally familiarized with, <laughs> that's a very, very, very uh, key indication of hey, you got a problem on your hands. Could be a worm, uh, a virus, uh, you know, etc. And those are typically typically masked through redirects. That's always tell people. Very much so. If you're going to a truly secured website, especially if you're doing a financial transaction, like you're using your credit card, you're using your checking account to make a purchase at any of these websites that you're accustomed to going to, it should be on a port 443 security socket layer SSL port. And normally that's denoted by gold padlock, which should be seen in the URL bar. If you don't see that, you should not do that transaction. I mean, that's that's rule number one. Um, Very number much so. Number two is a lot of times if you're used to going, because the crooks have gotten a lot smarter than what they used to be. Um, yeah, they, they get smarter about a week. Yeah, they can almost mirror image just about anything. So, mm-hmm. But the thing is, they can't 
mirror image that URL. So if you're used to, quote unquote, say, for instance, if you like going to Macy's and you're used to going to Macy's and you're doing your transactions and you might go Macy's.com backslash men's section, you know, backslash socks. All of a sudden, the day you notice something is wrong, the first thing you should do is check that internet browser bar, that URL bar, because more than likely, you'll see some variation. It won't say Macy's. It might be spelled M-C-A-Y-S as opposed to M-A-C-Y-S. And that's mm-hmm. to be a telltale sign as well, because that means you've been redirected to an alternate domain that's basically pretending to be and presenting itself to be, you know, the online retailer that you're accustomed to shopping to. And unfortunately, once you put your transaction information in there and you click submit, they have it. And at that particular time, one or, two, one or two things will happen. Either they're going to go on an immediate shopping spree <laughs> with your credit card information, <laughs> expiration date, and have your CCV code, or more than likely, they might just leave it alone. You'll just be in um, limbo waiting for your um, purchase to be delivered. And then after a while, you'll say, okay, well, let me contact customer service. And then when you do contact Macy's, they say, well, what's your order number? Well, we don't have one on file for you. And then at that point, mm-hmm. you know, instead of it being an immediate attack on your account, it will more than likely be something where, you know what, they've sold it on the Internet. You know, yep. so you have to be very, very careful. Um, one of the things I always tell people, um, just in terms of the URL, a lot of times there's backdoors that are opened up um, when you actually execute certain executables or you click on certain hyperlinks in these emails, you know, run a, a A-ports uh, command from the C-prompt, and it will tell you pretty much what ports are open, um, who, what ports are listening, and things of that nature. Um, and then also, always check your task manager. That, that's most important. I think anybody in IT will, know, will tell you, if you're not running a West Change program where you, know, you get a chance to look at your registry keys and things of that nature, and that way you can see as things change, it will actually spit out a delta to let you know, okay, hey, since your last log on, uh, this application has been added into your ad remove programs or this port has been opened up, you know, since your last use. You know, always check your task manager just to make sure you don't see some cloaked um, application running in the background. And if you do see it, be sure to end the session or end the task um, pretty much or kill the process. And then at that point, you need to start running the triage and a full-blown security scan on your uh, actual desktop or laptop, and now handheld devices. Um, Another way you can tell you've been compromised is, and we're going to run through real quick because we're almost ready for commercial again, but you start noticing that you're using more data than usual. You know, if you know that, you know, based on your normal traffic that you might consume probably, you know, two to five gigs of traffic each month, but all of a sudden now you have a burst and a you know unexplainable spike that has you <laughs> right. somewhere in the ten gig uh, you know parameter. Then you know something's going on because you know what you do, you know what your normal traffic is like, and you know you're not doing the same things twice to actually create such a spike. So that's something you would actually want to look into as well. Um, another thing, as I said before. Absolutely. You'll notice that your videos, your music, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, what is it, Pandora, Spotify, you know, any of the popular music um, streaming services, you notice that it's taking forever for those pages to load. You know, even with YouTube, you know, 
normally a video will pop up almost instantaneously. All of a sudden now today, you know, it's just like very sluggish. Um, the other thing is before programs and apps start crashing a lot, um, you start seeing pop-up ads, like you said earlier, Dre. Um, your gadget suddenly restarts itself without your, <laughs> without your input or say-so, and you start noticing a lot of unexplained online activity. Um, if you take these preventive measures, um, you can kind of safeguard yourself. Like I said, you know, for the main, get the antivirus security, and then at that, you know, start changing your password on a regular basis, and then start being more cognizant of what you're doing on your computer and, and start looking at the results and open up task manager and things of that nature. Um, we've got Q getting ready to go to commercial. So once again, we're going to open up the phone lines to anyone. Um, phone number is 866-472-5789. We'll be right back after this commercial. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you looking to build, enhance, or revamp your current IT infrastructure? If so, that's where malllobby.com comes in. Whether you need virtualization, systems administration, networking, storage, cybersecurity, cloud, disaster recovery, to even manage services, just submit your project details via email to broadcast at malllobby.com so we know this opportunity is from one of our listeners. For your IT consulting, staffing, and architectural needs, rely on malllobby.com. Incorporated, visit online at malllobby.com. How is your business running? It should be running smoothly with nary a hiccup, like a finely tuned machine. But if you're like most businesses, yours may be running nowhere close to that. Listen for Operationally Speaking with your host, Serju Samel. Our program will help you to run your entrepreneurial business easier, better, with less frustration. And by running it well, you're sure to be poised for faster growth. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to This Week in IT. To reach the program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather leave a question or comment via email... Send it to broadcast at malllobby.com. Now back to This Week in IT. Thanks for joining us again. This is uh, Andre Forte with my host uh, as well, Lane Mace, regarding your information and um, particularly when you're online and stuff like that. There's uh, 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 when at the gas pump, there's two technology now that criminals are now starting to use. Um, so something that you want to you want to be cognizant of to kind 
information Japan has at the moment is uh, verifying that where the credit card panel is, is that there is tape that is there, and if tape or bills are broken, then that's a key indication that the Bluetooth technology has been uh, probably installed by a criminal. And what they do is they'll sit anywhere within um, 10 to 30 feet and the minute that you swap your credit card information, that information um, will translate back to them. And they can you know, use your credit card information for anything they, you know, will very well like to. Um, so it's similar to the Ray technology that uh, that is navigated a lot of CNN last week when they uh, mentioned mm-hmm. the Stingray. And um, the Stingray has been for, you know, for some, quite some time now. The Stingray is particularly just made for that exactly, being able to intercept wireless. Um, so, again, if you're in your house or if you're out on the road somewhere or anything like that, and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, just as Lance uh, saying, you, you know, you know uh, your activity or your, your, your speeds and everything is starting to kind of not be as efficient as they previously were. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, you just got cognizant of that those, uh, and this is really dealing with for folks that are working in the government, uh, in the government sector, not happen to individuals in the private sector as well. But, um, if you're one of those folks out there that has a security clearance that's working in, you know, uh, uh, with, uh, sensitive information and things of that nature, then yeah, you definitely want to, um, be, make sure that you're on top of your game when you're using any type of private transition. And um, because this is getting more popular by the day, so and it's getting more available on the black market as well. So um, just like yeah, that's something that I want to to to, uh, to the attention as well. Um, just in regards to safeguarding information that you were speaking on previously. Yeah, another um, question that's been coming through from some of the uh, listeners has been in terms of storage. You know, a lot of I'm kind of surprised though. Um, a lot of outfits are trying to. Debate with their spending dollars, you know, they have fiscal year budgets and then looking at what's allocated in their budget versus what they've spent already on the fiscal year. And one of the key things, since everyone now, at least in business, realizes that your pot of gold for your company is the data that you have. So you have to protect it, but you have to also make it as efficient as possible and, you know, make it as diverse as possible as well. So, you know, it's not like before we just had it. You know, virtual tape libraries and, you know, DLT tapes and LTO tapes, you know, now with everything being a disk to disk in virtual arrays, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's becoming a greater concern um, in the workplace. So a few of the questions I received this week were well, pretty interesting, but I still have to answer them um, you know, in complete honesty. Um, someone actually put, well, I understand that flash arrays are the best and... I want to make a purchase for my company to get all flash arrays. Now, mind you, um, without divulging the actual manufacturer or vendor, when they showed me the price tag for what they were trying to do, um, <laughs> it ran easily. It was somewhere neighboring around three million bucks. Wow. And we're not talking about for petabytes of storage. We're just talking about for maybe, I don't know, maybe 400 terabytes. Uh, which is is a considerable amount of um, storage space because you know you have to sure. always take into account that you know you, you you break off a certain percentage of it because you're not going to use the full amount anyway. Um, then you have to almost break 
that in half because whatever data you have now, you're going to want to have a copy of it for backups. And then the one, two, three process is supposed to be that you actually do a disk to disk locally on site. So you have a copy, you have operational data, a copy of the data, and then you should have a replication point, which would be your coop or disaster recovery. So it's like, it's a lot of different aspects you're supposed to look at before you start buying the storage. But more so to their particular question was, you know, they were trying to just be part of the latest and greatest. And the funny thing about it is they're not doing anything that actually warrants um, the actual need for flash array. Oh, good news. Um, our guest has arrived. Um, so I think we can actually turn the segment over to Mr. Harrison. Um, Mr. Harrison, are you there? I am. Great. Um, let me introduce you to everyone, uh, our audience. Uh, today we have the pleasure of being joined by Mr. Chris Harrison. Mr. Harrison is an assistant professor of human computer interaction at the esteemed Carnegie Mellon University located in good old Pittsburgh, PA. He's actually taking time out of his busy schedule to come share with us today a new invention they've been working on called the LumiWatch. Uh, so without further ado, let's present to you Mr. Chris Harrison, who's going to explain to us the many layers of thinking, research, and development that it took to come up with this new invention. Everyone, let's give a warm welcome. Thank you, Chris, for joining the show. So why don't I tell you a little bit about this uh, watch that we have developed. Uh, it is an Android smartwatch. And it has kind of foregone its screen. Uh, and instead, we've integrated the world's smallest uh, Pico projector uh, into it. And so instead of having to be confined to that sort of uh, one inch by one inch or one inch diagonal uh, screen that limits current smartwatch interactions, we get something that's about five inches diagonal. Uh, but we use your arm as the surface area for the projection. And so uh, through this, we're trying, obviously, it's very much a research prototype. We're trying to push the, the boundaries of what's possible technically. Um, but the idea is that um, you know, smartwatches and smartphones and even tablets, they're all computationally pretty much the same thing. There's not a huge difference between them. The big difference between them is the size of the screen. And I think we all know that smartwatches, um, we don't use them as really first-class computing devices. They've been held back largely not because of compute, but because of that screen size. And so this is a way to attack that problem and spill interactivity out onto the skin without having to make the watch any larger. And, and we foresee uh, this prototype shrinking further and getting brighter as well, such that this may just be a small, almost a bracelet in the future, and yet you'll be able to use your entire, you know, both your hand and your forearm as the screen and, and have actually larger than smartphone interactions on it. I have to admit something, uh, Chris. When I went on the internet and looked at your actual Lumi watch, it almost reminds me of a mobile. If you remember the movie Minority Report, where they mm -hmm. actually had the little, like the little screens that they would just basically touch in the air, so to speak, the little projectors. That's what it reminded me of, except it's placed on your wrist but shines back onto your forearm. But it gave me that same impression just looking at it. I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, I would love to uh, say that we have the technology to project into free air, but unfortunately, that's still in the realm of science fiction. But at least in the interim, we can think about if we had really small projectors. You now, these could be eventually, I think they'll get to the point where they're so inexpensive, you wouldn't think to build a consumer electronic item without them. So in the same way that we see LEDs now everywhere, little status LEDs on computer monitors, on printers, on routers, we put mm -hmm. them everywhere because they're so inexpensive. I could easily see in 10 or 20 years that these small projectors could be as ubiquitous as the simple LED. 
and then you have this ability to project information everywhere. So uh, onto the walls, onto your table, onto your body, onto the floor, wherever we want computing to exist and allow us to build very small computing devices. They might literally be you know, the size of a button, and yet you can have an interactive experience that's much larger. And that's definitely very reminiscent of those displays in Minority Report. Right. So with this particular watch, I'm still going to have the same functionality and flexibility as I have now on my smartphone in terms of my applications and actually typing text messages and things of that nature, correct? That's the goal. And we, and we do run a, a relatively standard Android build, a little bit older, uh, just for ease of development. Um, but yes, it can run all the standard Android apps. And what we have to do is we obviously, you know, we're not passing at standard touch events for standard graphics because, you know, the, the application things that it's running on, let's say, a three-and-a-half-inch diagonal display, mm-hmm. then we actually have to use the watch's GPU to warp that image so we can project it out at a very shallow angle. And we have to basically kind of crumple it up like a piece of paper. We have to project it almost as a trapezoid such that it right. lands onto your arm in the correct way. And then same with the touch inputs. You know, it doesn't know that it, it thinks it's running on just a standard Android phone. And so we have to use this special sensor that we created to actually turn your skin into a touch screen and then take those touch events and package them up as standard Android events. And, but by doing that work, it does mean that we can run all the standard Android apps or very close to it. Um, I think the big limitation right now is resolution. Obviously, you know, projecting onto your forearm from a very shallow angle has limitations in the quality of the graphics. And, and we have a way to go here uh, to really make that practical. It's not going to look like a high-quality you know, OLED screen, at least not right. now. But you know, the great thing about technology, of course, is that it just gets better and better and better. So the fact that we've been able to cobble together this prototype over the last year, uh, you know, and there's still issues like brightness and resolution, but those are the things that always improve over time, and we're confident that we can actually uh, produce something that's going to be high-quality in the years to come. Yeah, I can almost envision some type of sleeve to actually accompany this that it can project to. Yeah, no, so, I mean, uh, so we, we actually think that the, the most logical place to put this is actually not on the forearm. The forearm gives you a lot of space, but so either you have to wear sort of a special sleeve or you have to walk around sleeveless, and that doesn't work all the time, especially in places like Pittsburgh. And so we have to think about actually projecting on other parts, and, and the hands are much more reliable, like the back of the hand or the palm of the hand. Uh, those right. tend to be covered by sleeves, much less common, you know, much less uh, frequently. Um, but of course, they offer a little bit less area. But if you actually look at the size of your hand, it is about the size of a modern, you know, S9 or iPhone 10. And so you know, you still get quite a bit of screen real estate, you know, many times larger than a typical smartwatch still. Oh, perfect. Hey, Chris, we're going to uh, roll the commercial. This is great stuff. Um, we're going to open up the phone lines once again. For anyone who wants to call in and speak for our guest today, the number to dial is 866-472-5789. Again, that number is 866-472-5789. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you looking to build, enhance, or revamp your current IT infrastructure? If so, that's where MallLobby.com comes in. Whether you need virtualization, systems administration, networking, storage, cybersecurity, cloud, disaster recovery, to even manage services, just submit your project details via email. 
to broadcast at mallobby.com so we know this opportunity is from one of our listeners. For your IT consulting, staffing, and architectural needs, rely on mallobby.com. Incorporated. Visit online at mallobby.com. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. We all hear about information security, identity, and privacy threats. The more technology becomes part of our lives, with more data created to provide insights about our lives, the more concerned we need to be. That's why it's important to tune in to Data Security and Privacy with The Privacy Professor. Host Rebecca Harold is an internationally recognized expert in these areas. Rebecca and her guests will let you know how to keep your business and personal data safe. Listen live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to This Week in IT. To reach the program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather leave a question or comment via email, send it to broadcast at mallobby.com. Now back to This Week in IT. Good evening. Thanks again. If you're just on the show, we are speaking today with Mr. Chris Heron from Carnegie Mellon University as he discusses the new loan you watch. Um, we are open up the phone line, so please, um, if you have any questions or have any um, anything you'd like to ask, Mr. Um, that at 866-472-5789. Again, thank you for joining the show. I believe uh, you wanted to uh, uh, touch on some of the projection capabilities of, uh, of the Lumi Watch. Is that correct? Yeah, well, actually, I wanted to mention another project that we're working on in, in parallel with this watch that leverages a lot of the same technologies. And that's something that we've been working on for maybe three or four years now. And, and there's been a lot of um, kind of synergy between the two. And that is trying to make a, kind of a light bulb version two. Uh, so instead of, you know, right now when you pick up a light bulb, even if you pick up a smart light bulb, all it really does is just emit photons. And you can get something like a, you know, fill a cue and, and you can change the color. But it's pretty, pretty basic, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And what we've been doing is, is taking this small projection technology and sticking it into light bulbs. So they just fit. It's basically a computer that you can screw into a standard light fixture. And when you turn it on, light comes out. You know, the killer app of light bulbs is light, so we don't want to ruin that. Mm -hmm. But if you perform a particular gesture or you do a particular voice command, we can actually structure the light and actually think of it more like a digital projector. So this is something that you can, you know, if you have like a light, like a a can light above uh, the countertop in your kitchen or you have a desk lamp, you can unscrew that standard bulb screw in our bulb, uh, and now that desk or that countertop actually becomes a multi-touch interactive surface. And so you don't have to change any wiring or install any screens. You're literally just swapping out one light bulb for another. 
Uh, and again, it's, it's Android. You can run standard apps. You can run, you know, Google Calendar right on your kitchen countertop, on your, the wall of your refrigerator. It doesn't matter what it is. Anywhere that basically the light falls, we can actually structure that light to run applications. Wow. So you're saying pretty much wow. um, it's almost like casting, so to speak. So pretty much if I'm in my kitchen and I want to change the lights out and put in the bulb that you're referencing, I can almost, kind of like what I do with YouTube, if I want to, you know, project it or cast it to the television, I can do that now with the light, you're saying, the light bulb. Yeah, I mean, you, you can cast stuff onto whatever surface that the light is falling. You can uh, launch whatever apps you want. You can, I mean, even if you have something like an Alexa or Google Home, you can say, show me the weather, and it'll actually steal some surface area from your kitchen countertop to show you that. So it's really an interplay between the two. You know, voice assistants are great. Um, but, you know, there's only so much you can do with audio. It's really hard to see something visually. If they read you the weather for the week, you may have to listen for a minute and a half for them to say that. You know, right. visual cues are really uh, important and can be very high bandwidth. And so we've been looking at this interplay. And, but, again, we don't want to have to go into people's homes and say, oh, you have to replace your, you know, your granite countertop with our, you know, $25,000, you know, digital countertop. People are just not going to take that trade. So instead, right. we look for a way to augment existing environments in a very lightweight way with a device that people are very familiar with. They can install themselves. And light bulbs have great line of sight. You know, they already are used to illuminate surfaces, and they already have an electrical infrastructure. We don't have to run any wires or, you know, put, you know, run them on batteries. They're already right there. There's power, wall power for us. So we can make something that uh, has basically got the same compute power as a mobile phone, um, but doesn't but can shed the screen and can shed the battery and instead use this projection technology again. Well, this is pretty amazing. Now, in your testing, did you um, what were your benchmarks in terms of the resolution? Is it it would from this new project that you're working on? Is it going to be in high definition? Is it going to be you know 1080 or is it 720 or? Yeah, it's it's a little bit worse. It's it's around 720. Um, mm -hmm. resolution. I wish we could do HD, but at the sizes that we're talking about for these projectors, um, mm -hmm. which is not quite there. Uh, what is interesting about these projectors is that they're actually a scanned laser projection. And what that means is we have a really tiny little mirror, a MEMS mirror, that's actually fluttering back and forth. Uh, and we use three lasers, a red, a green, and a blue laser, and we turn them on and off very quickly. And we actually raster scan with a laser beam uh, the image onto the environment. And because we use lasers, uh, they have this really nice property being focus-free. So we don't need any lenses, which was one of the reasons why it lets us be so small. And as a consequence, it also means that it doesn't matter if your surface is close to the projector or far from the projector. It's always in focus because, again, lasers are always in focus. Right. Wow. Wow. So in terms of the LumiWatch, do you have, like, a projected, um, I guess, time frame in which it might hit the public? Well, that's hard to say because this is sort of a one-off prototype for now. There's only a few in the world that exist. Our commercial partner was uh, ASU Tech. They're a Chinese OEM, really great guys. We, this was a collaboration between CMU and ASU. Um, and uh, they have all the technology to actually construct these. And actually, they are starting to sell. Uh, uh, you can go online and pre-order, I think, uh, their Cast 2 watch. And I think it's something on the order of around 600 US dollars. Um, but mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's an early prototype, uh, and it, it, it doesn't have the touch input capability like we show in our proof of concept uh, demonstration. So I think it might be a couple more years yet before you really truly see something like Lumid Watch uh, hit the shelves. 
Okay. So, I mean, I'm just kind of expected. I mean, this is first generation, but it looks very impressive. I mean, I, I like it myself. I mean, <laughs> this is great. Love it. I, I looked at the, I looked at the video and uh, we'll provide that link for, uh, for our listeners, but yeah, the, the YouTube video that I was just impressed with the video uh, to myself, like Jesus, but there's a way that we can get our hands on the prototype. It's <laughs> uh, so awesome. So cool. Uh, and said, um, when when you do anticipate it or to market, um, do you have any projection, any projected costs? I know you just said the, uh, the, that there's one right now that's uh, around six hundred dollars. But um, do you have any type projected costs for the consumer right now? I mean, that's a, a question for the you know, the marketing folks and the sales folks. But I would guess at a high level, it's got to cost the same as a regular watch. I mean, if you price it above what like an Apple watch would cost, mm-hmm. I just don't think you're going to move any units. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it has to be competitive. It's already exotic enough. So you don't want to put an exotic price tag on it as well. Exactly. But at the same <laughs> exactly. time, this is one of those things that's sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place because in order to make it cost effective, you know, make it you know, available to consumers, you need to have volume. And so this is one of those chicken and egg things that has, mm-hmm. you know, uh, dogged a lot of kind of IoT plays that it's hard to get adoption because it's so expensive. I mean, I think like Hue, Philips, light bulbs, you know, they're very expensive, like $100 a bulb or something crazy like that. For something that's pretty rudimentary. And so, but, you know, scale is the big driver here. And Apple has been able to bring the, you know, to bear its incredible manufacturing capability to make uh, a consumer smartwatch that is affordable or, you know, semi-affordable. I don't own one, so, you know, how affordable is it? But, um, but we'd have to be in that range, I think, to really uh, make it appetizing. If it's a $1,000 projection smartwatch, I think we're only going to sell a few of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris, if um, any of the listeners or callers want to contact you, um, how can they reach you? You know, here's a golden opportunity to actually plug in some of your direct connect information or some of your social media um, outlets. I mean, people are, are welcome to reach out to me by, by email. I mean, as a professor, I'm on email all the time, and I generally respond to, to everyone. You can also find me uh, on Twitter. I'm HCIProf on Twitter, and you can, you can message me that way. Um, and, and I put all of my research, all of my lab's research uh, on my uh, lab's webpage, which is figlab.com, F-I-G-L-A-B.com. And you can see LumaWatch and many of the other research projects um, that, that my graduate students, my PhD students are working on, and including all the academic papers. Obviously, a lot of the time these things sit behind a paywall, um, and we try to open them up to the public so that interested people who want to dig into the technical details, like, for example, how the guts of the software and hardware work on LumiWatch, uh, they can read those and download the PDFs uh, online. That is perfect. Well, Chris, it was a pleasure having you on our show today. And um, to all the listeners, um, please be sure to tune in next week, um, 4 p.m. Pacific time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This was great. And um, Chris, thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate you telling us about the LumiWatch. And I'm sure you have a lot of people contacting you in regards to your upcoming developments. It It was a pleasure coming on. Thank you. Thank you for joining Lane Maith and Andre Forte on This Week in IT. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great weekend.